seminarian will be offering a homily. Uh, for those of you who don't recall, Napoleon has been doing his field study with us in our parish these last couple of months. He'll be finishing at Holy Cross in December and then moving to Arizona. But he, as part of his senior class, is to give a homily. So this is his first homily. smiling right now, not because I'm happy, but because I'm really nervous. <laughs> um, when I first approached Father Matthew to receive his blessing to do my senior sermon, Father gave me some really good advice, and he said, I didn't want to give it to you too, too much in advance, so you would not be sweating this out. So he said, you know, we'll find a rough time, you know, a week or two, and you can start preparing, like every other priest does with a homily. Unfortunately for me, I've known that for the whole semester I have to do this, so I've been sweating this out the whole semester. <laughs> so if I mess up, forgive me. Um, I'm still learning, and like Father said, this is my first time. As we go through this gospel reading, I want you to keep in mind that as we approach Christ, it is a two-way relationship, a two-way street, just as every relationship is in life. Oftentimes, we encounter Christ because we want to be Christian, or we, we'd rather come to him out of fear, or because we want to merit something, right? As opposed to simple love, to loving Christ, to seeking to be daughters and sons of the Most High. We heard in the Gospel reading about two people who approached Christ. The first was a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and the second was a woman with a flow of blood for 12 years. Jesus had already consented to go to Jairus' house to heal his daughter, and on his way there, a multitude, a big crowd, had overcome him. And in this crowd was the woman with the flow of blood. And this woman went and touched the hem of his garment and was healed. Now, the Gospel writer notes this because it is very important. According to the law of Moses, a woman who had a flow of blood or an issue of blood, anything she touched, anybody she touched, was considered impure and unclean. That was just how it was. Now, as the rest of the story goes, Christ ends up healing this woman simply from her touching the hem of his garment. And later on, he pursues on his way to go to Jairus' house. When he arrives at Jairus' house, the daughter is dead. And naturally, being the God-man he is, he raises the daughter from the dead. So we can see these two people as coming to Christ out of desperation. Jairus approaches Christ because his daughter is dying. She's at the threshold of death. Now the woman approaches Christ because she has a flow of blood, and she wants to be healed from that. Are the similarities not striking? Both individuals seeking out Christ because they wanted something, or, another person can argue, because they wanted to be healed from consequences that had befallen them in their life. Jairus, one can say, as a 
slave for the fear of his daughter dying, or as a servant seeking out the reward from Christ to heal his daughter. Likewise, the woman with the flow of blood, a slave to her own fear of remaining impure and unclean and never being made pure, or as a servant seeking the reward of healing. Now, I want you to think of the world's solution right now. What would the world tell us, specifically the West? The world would say, shoot for the bare minimum. Cut corners. Just do the bare minimum and skate by and you'll be fine. Tells you something about the work ethic nowadays. The world teaches us to do everything but strive for the greatest, to strive for the max, to be maximalists. We promote being minimalists. How should we Orthodox Christians respond to this? Well, it's all quite simple. We strive for Christ with everything we have, with every breath, with every effort. You see, we should not be content with remaining in a static relationship and not moving up the ladder, so to speak. We're not being in a dynamic relationship. All our relationships are dynamic. All of our relationships grow with each other. Never are we supposed to have a relationship that stays static and does not change. A good example of this is obviously when a young couple gets married. They get married at whatever age they get married, 20s, 30s, and as they grow, their love grows for each other and their love transforms and their love develops as they get older and so forth. They don't love that same person no longer as if they were 20 or 30, but now as they progress in life. Same it is with a father and a son or a mother and a daughter and so forth. Now, many times when we approach God, we stay in these categories. We stay in the category of approaching God simply out of fear because we're afraid, we don't want to suffer the consequence, whether it be in this life or the afterlife or so forth, or because we approach God all due to merit or good works because we, we want to get something from him. We, we want a reward, okay? Now, continuously, Christ seeks to pull us up into the highest category. And according to St. Basil the Great, there are three categories. There is one of a master and a slave, which is based off of fear. One of a lord and his servant, which is based off of merit or wanting a reward. And then there is the highest one, a father and a son. And naturally, this is the one that Christ calls us into. We approach him many times in the lowest category, out of fear because we do not want a consequence, or we don't want to be punished, or this or that, or out of a reward because we want something, right? And an easy way to, to think of, of the correct relationship, the relationship that Christ seeks to draw us up into, the, this dynamic relationship of growth and love, of mutual love. One can only look at the life of St. Anthony, for example. I no longer fear him because I love him. Or what does John the Evangelist say in his epistles? Perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. We have many afflictions in life, 
and sometimes we're healed of them. And sometimes they stay with us, and they don't leave. One can only look at the life of St. Paul when he beseeched the Lord three times to remove the thorn from his flesh, and the Lord did not do it. He deemed it necessary. Why do these things happen, we ask? These things happen according to St. Cyril of Alexandria because sometimes we need a gentle prodding. Sometimes we need an aid to our faith, an aid to approach God, or a little push, as one might put it. To use an example which this great saint provides, think of a horse. What does a horse have? A horse has a bit in its mouth, a bridle around its head, a lead rope or halter or traditionally reins when you get on the horse with saddle padding and the saddle on top. And that's, that's everything that's put onto a horse when a rider mounts a horse. Now, I used to ride horses at a school I went to, and it's not as easy as some people make it. You can get on a horse, you can have the reins, you can pull the reins, you can do whatever you want, make all these sounds click, say whoa to the horse to get it to stop. But if a horse is rambunctious, it's going to kick, it's going to want to gallop, it's going to walk. I've even seen horses lay down with the rider on top of the horse. So it's, uh, it's not as easy. But what does the horse have? The horse has reins. And these reins are pulled on by the rider. And they serve as an aid by circumstance to return the horse to its path, to not let it go off. So yes, while the horse can ignore it, the horse has that constant reminder there. It serves by circumstance to veer it back onto the path. These reins serve as a guide, a reminder, and a gentle push. So again, how should we seek to approach Christ? Yes, it is better to have a relationship as that of a slave and a servant, as opposed to having no relationship as a non-believer, or not knowing Christ, or not experiencing him in any sort of manner or shutting him off from our life. But we should seek to strive to be sons of God, God's children. What does this require of us? Not works of the law as we heard in the epistle today, but faith. And what faith is this, one might ask, but active faith. Let's look at the gospel pericope through the new lenses of active faith. What's active faith? Approaching Christ in humility, just as we saw Jairus and the woman do. Loving our neighbor by caring and ministering to them, just as we saw Jairus do on behalf of his daughter, and he approached Christ on behalf of his daughter. Possessing humility, just like we saw the woman with the flow of blood, when after Christ had perceived power had gone forth from him, he questioned who had touched her, and she came and fell at his feet and revealed herself to him. And the chiefest of examples, Christ himself. After the people laughed at him when he went to Jairus' house, and he said that the daughter was asleep, he did not engage in quarrels or debates or theological diatribes or whatnot, but he simply went on to heal the daughter out of his love for mankind. It's simple. 
faith is as follows. Love God, and secondly, love your neighbor. The church gives us the tools to do these things, and the saints show us how they are done. We have the mysteries, the lives of the saints, almsgiving, fasting, prayers, vigils, asceticism. We just need to use them. All these wonderful gifts are not meant to be taken as consequences that when we do not carry them out, we fear and tremble and we run away afraid of a master. Neither are they meant to be taken simply as merits, rewarding good behavior or good deeds. But they are so much more than these things. These are the gifts, the gifts that are the reins serve to guide us in our life. The reins, the very reins that go on a horse, to guide a horse, these are much like that. But for us, to guide us towards the kingdom as sons and daughters, with Christ leading us by the reins to God the Father. Willingly handing the reins over to Christ and cooperating with him. The fathers talk about this being synergy. And it is all done for our salvation our benefit, and our healing, all out of love in this relationship of active faith. <clears throat> I want to leave you with this last quote from St. Cyril of Alexandria and his definition of active faith. Faith, then, in every way, is the cause of life, as that which slays sin, the mother and nurse of death. Excellently, therefore, said Christ to the ruler of the synagogue of the Jews, when this daughter was dead, fear not, only believe, and she shall live. For as I said, Christ makes those live who approach him by faith. Again, there's that act of faith, approaching him by faith. In that he is love and life, for in him we live and move and are. He will raise the dead suddenly, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, as it is written. And having this hope in him, we shall both attain to the city that is above and reign as kings with him, by whom and with whom to God the Father be praise and dominion with the Holy Spirit unto ages of ages.